Daisy. And I'm Terry. And this is the Monday Monday Mindset Mindset Podcast, Podcast. where we share things of interest to us and hopefully to you. So let's get started with episode number 162. This week, it's Daisy's turn to share something with us. Daisy, what do you have to share with us this week? Well, Terry, I am back with a continuation of the difficult conversations, theme, topic, subject, from the next Big Idea Daily podcast. And Monica Guzman, if you remember, she was talking about her book called I Never Thought of It That Way, How to Have Fearlessly Curious Conversations in Dangerously Divided Times. And I've managed to carve out another episode and there will be, I think, just one more after this. But we're both busy doing other things and we're not supposed to go too long on these episodes. So I thought rather than cramming it all in, I'll take one chunk at a time. So if you remember, the first episode was about us being divided. We're so divided, we're blinded. And we talked about her SOS, sorting, othering and siloing. And last time, well, last time it was my episode, um, we talked about the need to get curious and the ways to do that. Finding the gap, gathering the knowledge, embracing complexity and rejecting easy answers. And they've touched on this in both the previous episodes, but the danger of making assumptions about what the other is thinking, what they are thinking, filling those gaps and making assumptions and to try and remember that people arrived at their beliefs and their opinions via their own path, just like you did. And what they've touched on before and what this episode is all about is we don't see with our eyes, but with our whole lives. And so following on from The last episode I brought to you about the importance of getting curious. Monica Guzman says, to stay curious, we need to learn how to resist the unreasonable ways that we reason. And the example she uses, she says, think about when you're in a disagreement with somebody, she says, it's very common for both parties to just go back and forth with why you believe what you believe. And each side just gets more and more angry and this toing and froing and it just escalates. And she says, we need to stop insisting our reasons at each other and instead try and work towards those reasons, enriching and informing each other. And she says, you know, catch yourself next time you're in a disagreement with somebody and just see how unproductive this back and forth is or she says we see scripts of what we think the other person is saying going to say based on the assumptions we're making about that person she throws an example in here about somebody who laments looting in a city during a protest must therefore not support the cause behind the protest you're making an assumption there about someone who's who says something, but you don't know what's behind that. You're filling in those gaps. We're not like robots, as uh, she talked about in the last episode, where a robot would know there were gaps in its knowledge. 
we have this tendency to always fill those gaps. We don't like gaps, but we fill them with assumptions and that's where it gets dangerous. We don't like things to be complicated. Instead, we want to replace complexity with that easy way out of believing you already know the motives and perspectives of the people who disagree with you. And as I mentioned at the beginning, that was one of the things from last time, wasn't it? Embracing complexity, becoming okay that a subject is complicated. You don't necessarily need to have a black and white answer. And to stay curious, she says, we really need to resist the two temptations to win or to change the other person or to change their mind. He said, we, we often get really excited about wanting to share all the reasons why we believe what we do and what convinced us that these things must be true. And she talks about it as this shiny, sparkling trophy that we're holding. And we feel like all we need to do is to share our reasoning and they too will be convinced of our way of thinking. All we need to do is, is hand them this lovely, shiny, sparkly trophy and suddenly they're going to see the light. Which I think does kind of work or as you've been describing, I'm thinking, yeah, that's kind of the exciting feeling when someone is already partly thinking along the same lines as you and then you show them this sparkly trophy, it advances them into it. Mm. But if they're thinking something different, just dangling the sparkling trophy, it's like, yeah, that's hogwash. That's fantasy land or whatever their response might be. Um, but in my experience, that only works when people are already at least partly in line with what you're saying. Funny you should say that because she goes on to say, the only way that something we tell someone else is going to change their minds in an instant is if their mind and heart are already fertile ground for that idea to take root. So we think that our reasons will have the same impact on their way of thinking. Surely they will, if they're reasonable people like us. But no, uh-uh. Like, I don't know if you, is family fortunes an American thing? It always makes me think of that on the... <laughs> On the game show, Family Fortunes, when you get the wrong answer, the computer goes, no, uh -uh. <laughs> no, it won't. Because we don't just see with our eyes. That's what this whole episode is about. We see with our whole lives. We bring all that lived experience with us. And that is really going to be the same as somebody else's. And it really made me think of, because I, I thought that was a great way of describing it. You know, this shiny, sparkly trophy. You think of... Um, how when you've seen the light about something and it made me think of the worlds that we live in, you know, keto and fasting communities, you you hear it all the time and people get so, you know, they evangelize about this way of eating and fasting because they've they've discovered it and people talk about these aha moments. Suddenly it all makes sense and suddenly I find something that works for me and I, I've got this lovely shiny trophy and I want to share it with other people. I want to share it with this person that's, you know, just revealed that they have type 2 diabetes or they've got this or they've got that and I have this shiny sparkly thing that if I just, if I just give it to you, you're going to see the light just like I did and of course we know it doesn't always work that way. The host of the podcast, Michael Covenant, he goes on to say that our opinions are not just something we have, 
but that they've emerged from our life experience. And while we fairly readily recognize this about ourselves, we usually have a harder time affording that same reasoning to other people. Which as soon as he said that, I thought, gosh, that's so true. You know the wealth of experience, the the path that you've taken that has led you to having the beliefs you do, the opinions you do or something, or you know all the research that you've put in. But but somehow somebody who has the opposite opinion to you, you don't automatically think that they've gone through a similar journey and that they just need to be reasoned out of their position by our far more sensible opinions and beliefs and reasons. And then they'll see things clearly, just like you do. Monica Guzman goes on to talk about how some issues will simply never be resolved or will never come to, or very unlikely to come to, the same opinion and share the same beliefs. And she cites the example of abortion. She said, it, it's just not really resolvable because of fundamental tough tensions that are at the core of the disagreement. And she went into some detail, but basically it has tension between good values and each side thinks that they have the good values. And bad faith is very often assumed on behalf of the other party. So she said, if you're pro-life, you're just trying to control women's bodies. If you're pro-choice, you're trying to kill babies. So, you know, I mean, I know that's an oversimplification, but I've seen enough. <laughs> I've seen enough fierce discussions on Facebook to know that basically it does sort of boil down to something as simplistic as that in the disagreements that people have. But of course, it's way more complicated than that. And we do tend to, especially when it's these really deeply held core beliefs, we um, assume the worst of each other. And she talks about a meme she saw recently. The meme said, I choose the second grader over the second amendment. And I know how big a topic this is for you in the States. She said, again, this, this boils down something that is very, very complicated. There are all sorts of concerns and key values when you're talking about the Second Amendment. Things like liberty and independence, ability to defend oneself, relationship with the government. And then you've got keeping children safe in schools. But she says, what good does it do? And I've, you know, I've seen these memes and... You know, I, I have quite strong opinions on it. And I think the stronger the opinion you have on something, the more difficult this all becomes. But she says, what good does pitting one value against the other really do? As if one side doesn't recognize the other side's value. And she says, basically what this meme is saying, that gun owners want second graders to be murdered. She said, think about it. How, how crazy is that? Of course they don't. She says, just stop and think blinding each other to the complexity <laughs> going back to this we need to embrace complexity more and we're championing dehumanization it's not a binary choice it rarely is and the host michael covenant 
talks about, he said, he said, well, maybe we need to talk more about values. He said, in this example, maybe we, we talk about the value of safety. We all value safety, right? We can, we can probably agree on that as a starting point. But both will talk about that value from a very different perspective. And they're not really going to agree and they're, well, they're definitely not going to agree on and how they get there and their views around this. But maybe if he said, if you talk about in this example, talk about values, maybe you can find some common ground and some common language. And she talks about the importance of common language. And maybe then you can start to negotiate a solution or a way forward. And if you can acknowledge that everyone believes in the same things, that they just stack them differently and in different sort of order of importance. But she says the only way to be wise about challenging issues is to make sure we're open to all of the concerns and the paths that people took to arrive at those concerns. And we need to build some resistance to thinking that they just don't care or they don't share the same key values that are so obviously good and we need to have good faith conversations and in in the episode i'll do next time to talk a little bit more about how we can maybe do that what language we can use we can't do that we can't have these good faith conversations if we're close to all these other things and she comes back to she rounds off with the title of her book and talks about having i never thought of it that way moments because she said, when you have these moments in a conversation, it opens up new paths of thought and it might just plant a seed that changes just a small part of what you believe. And it's okay to have these moments. It's good to have these moments. It's okay to change your mind and it's okay to listen to other people's stories. She says, you're not going to get infected by them, but you might just have... And I never thought about it that way moment. And she used an example of a conversation she was having uh, about abortion. She, she is pro-choice. Her friend is pro-life. And they had a conversation about it. And there was just, they fundamentally don't agree. But they had a conversation. There was just a, something she said that sort of niggled away at her. And it planted a seed and it just opened the door to thinking about it in a slightly different way. And it didn't really change her position, but it changed a tiny little bit of how she saw the subject, how, and especially how she saw, tried to see it a little bit more from the other direction. I've had those moments where I'm having, if you can have a non-heated, not too heated, debate and there's something that maybe I don't pick up on so much in the moment but it's something that comes back to me that niggles away at me and then I tease at it and start thinking about something in a different way so yes I like that being open to and really trying to encourage in yourself that I never thought of it that way moments one of the things this is making me think about, Daisy, is sometimes as you present something that's a little newer to me, I have to find a, a hook to hang it on of something that I already know or believe. 
and I was thinking about couples therapy. And there are these two people that train thousands of couples therapists in the U.S. Their names are the Gottmans, and they have an institute where they study couples. And, you know, it's, it's this amazing work. But one of the pieces that their research has shown, and they use this in helping couples, is to talk about the fact that two-thirds of couples' issues are not solvable. Mm-hmm. Two-thirds, wow. That's a lot. Yeah. And so it, it just kind of reminds me of this topic. Like you said, this this hot topic is not actually just solvable mm. because you have people coming from very different perspectives for varied reasons. And in the couple's work, in the way they train and talk about the couple's work, it's not, well, there's one right solution and we have to come to that solution. It's how are we going to navigate this together? What's the process we're going to use? to work through this and work on this together because it's going to keep coming up. Mm. It's going to be an issue for us, but how do we treat each other in the process? How do we listen to each other? How do we give feedback to each other? How do we share our own voice? And it just really kind of struck me as a parallel to what you're talking about with this in that there are often topics that there is no quick, easy solution. But if we can focus on the process, how can I listen? How can I be really curious to understand? And how can I even ask questions or seek information from that place? So even like as a therapist, I would say things like, help me understand this Mm. versus why do you do that? Yeah. Why do you think that? And, you know, putting people on the defense just to say, help me understand how that works for you. Help me understand how you think about that. And I think in some of these topics that you're talking about with her book and and this podcast is really about how do we navigate it, not how do we just get the right answer? How do we treat each other? How do we interact in the process to come to a better understanding, to come to maybe it's not resolution in that there's one right answer, but maybe it's we negotiate a way to handle this. And it brings out compromise. This group in their school of thought need this to happen in order to budge. And this group need this to happen in order to budge. If each group is getting some of their needs met, is that the best resolution we can come to on an unresolvable topic? Yeah, it's so hard. And as I was listening to the podcast and reading the article, you know, these these very emotive subjects come up and I think, oh, how can I explain what she's saying with without mentioning abortion, without mentioning gun laws, because I know they're so emotive. And I thought, no, you know what? You know, we're not going to have a discussion about those things, but I think it's important to name them, to name the things that are almost, oh, these are these are topics that should be off the table because it just brings it home how difficult it is, how complicated it is, and how fundamental the beliefs are that are behind the opinions that are so divided. Just to just to keep coming back to and keep remembering that just focusing on the disagreement, focusing on the SOSing, <laughs> so mm-hmm. changed it into a verb, 
this sorting and othering and siloing. The more we focus on that, the more we share these memes, the less we're ever likely to find some kind of productive outcome. But it's so it's so easy to do, especially, you know, the, the more emotive it is, the more easy it is to do. You know, I shared a meme, a cartoon today on the the difference in the response between, um, you know, a ship full of refugees going down in the Mediterranean Sea, the response to that versus uh, a submarine with, with wealthy people on it. You know, it's so easy to share these memes, but I keep having to check myself and remind myself of the danger of doing that because of the, oh, yes, there's the important it's so important to think about these things, but it's also important not to fall into that championing dehumanization at the same time and just putting it down to these this binary opposition because it's so unproductive, but it's so easy to do, <laughs> especially when you feel strongly about something. And it comes back to me in that example. If I share a meme that I think really illustrates my strong belief in something. I'm actually pushing that agenda somewhat. But guess what? Most people who are following me or in my friend group, that's not going to influence them one way or the other, except people who already think like me, it's going to rile that up. Mm. It's going to say, yeah, you're right. Those other people want that second grader to die. Right. No. I'm not going to change the mind of anyone following me. Most likely I'm going to rile the people who already think similar to me to SOS some more. Mm. It's hard, isn't it? So it's, it yeah, it's something that I continuously have to remind myself about mm -hmm. and continuously fall into the same traps. But it's, yeah, it's tricky. It's challenging. And I continue to embrace the complexity. <laughs> That's right. I think it's important from this episode, really, Daisy, for people to remember that many times these difficult conversations are around topics that actually are not resolvable. And I know you and I did an episode way long time ago with Marie Forleo and talking about like everything is figure outable. Figure outable, yeah. I think we're talking about different things here. Mm. These are fundamental differences in values, beliefs, perspectives on a particular topic. And so if it is not resolvable, if there's no way to get everyone to see it the same, which I'm pretty sure on these things, there will not be. We can't just have one you know, side of the issue triumph over the other side of the issue. Mm. We have to find other ways of navigating these tricky topics and I don't mean to use that term lightly, like, oh, these are just tricky topics. These are tremendously important issues that are in our everyday lives. But I think recognizing that they're not solvable in the way we've been trying to solve them and that we really need to focus more on how we navigate them. That's so interesting what you said about the, the statistics that two-thirds <laughs> <laughs> the issues that come up with couples are not resolvable. That's that's high. But yeah, so the trick is actually not necessarily resolving it, but finding a way of navigating the unresolvability of it. Yeah. Yeah. And the other side of that, that I don't share that. And I think the Gottmans don't share that to say, hey, anyone in a relationship, you are just screwed. You're never going <laughs> to fix things. Yeah. 
that's not the message. No. The message is there are things that are not solvable between the two of you, but you, as you just mentioned, Daisy, you need to find a way to navigate them together mm. because otherwise they will tear you apart. Yeah. And this is, I think, what we see politically. You know, there are a few topics probably for each country. They, you know, you, you, in the UK, you have your certain issues. We have our certain issues. Canada has their issues. You know, other countries have theirs, but they end up driving people apart. Mm. It's like you have to fall on this side or this side. Yeah. And you're the enemy of the other side. Yeah. Versus while we are all trying to navigate this together. Mm. Complicated. Well, I shall be back next time. I'll only impose one more episode about this on you. I think you can tell it. It's something that eats away at me a lot. Mm -hmm. So why I keep coming back to it. But um, yes, until next time, <laughs> I hope you have a very wonderful week. Take good care, everybody. Bye.